Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahirrabbilalamin. Wassalatu wassalamu ala ashrafil anbiya'i wal mursalin. Nabiyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in. Amma ba'd. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Allahumma anfa'na bima allamtana wa'allimna ma yanfa'una. Warzuqna ilman tanfa'una bih. Amin ya rabbal alamin. Alhamdulillah. Thumma alhamdulillah. We thank and we praise Allah azza wa jal. As we continue tonight with our tafsir of the short surahs of the Qur'an cause. And last week we covered the surah Al-Qari'ah. So tonight we move on immediately to our next surah, which is Surah Al-Takathur, which is Surah Al-Takathur. Um, surah Al-Takathur deals with the rivalry in worldly increase amongst insan, amongst mankind and how they compete with each other. And how they, uh, this is their main concern in this world, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala states in this, in this ayah and in the surah, right up until they reach their graves, that this is their main concern, wallahu musta'an. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the first ayah, he says, takathur, Competition for more gains diverts you from Allah. Competition for more gains, looking for more and more, this is what diverts you. This is what this ayah says. So Shaykh ibn Uthaymin rahimahullah he explains and he says that Allah clarifies the condition of mankind in this ayah. This is the state of insan. As Allah says emphatically. And Allah addresses them by saying Competition for more gains is what diverts you. This is what is diverting you. So the meaning of the word Alhaqum. Right? Alha in Arabic means that which the Sheikh says it buzzes you, it keeps you busy until it distracts you from that which is more important. Right? This is what this word Al-Hakum means. It's something of this world, of course, that buzzes you, it keeps you busy until it becomes a major distraction for, for, for you from that which is more important. What is more important? From Dhikrullah and from obedience to Allah. Subhanallah, and there are so many examples that we can think of that comes to mind, especially in today's day and age, with social media, with our cell phones, with um, even our computers and TV and so forth. All of these things are major distractions in the life of a, of a Muslim. If it's not sport, it's TV series, it's, it's Facebook, it's, it's Instagram, it's all of these platforms that serve as a major distraction uh, for us so it takes up so much time of our lives that we spend hours and hours on these devices on these platforms and then we ask ourselves you know how many hours have we spent with the book of Allah how many hours have we spent in contemplation in thinking about Allah Azza in planning our our gains as as believers subhanallah so this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us. It's competition for more gains that diverts you. And this is gains even with regards to, you know, social media. There's, there's gains that we are looking for. So we spend time there. And so forth. Wallahul musta'an. Um, <clears throat> Ibn Uthaymin says this address is for the entire ummah. Right? This address is for, for all people. For the entire Muslim ummah. Allah is not speaking to a select group, no, He's speaking to all. The only exception 
are those who busy themselves with the affairs of the Akhirah over the affairs of the dunya. They are the only ones who are not included in this ayah. Those people who put the Akhirah first. That is what they are striving towards. So the dunya does not divert them nor distract them away from the the Akhirah affairs or the, the, the matters of the Akhirah that they are striving for. And they are a few, the Sheikh says. They are a small amount of people in reality in comparison to, to the rest. And the Sheikh, he says, why do we say that they are few? Why do we mention this? Because in a hadith, Rasulullah he says that Allah will say, O oh Adam, and Adam will reply, لَبَّيْكَ وَسَعْدَيْكَ I'm here, you're, um, I am here, I respond to you, and I'm obedient to your orders, O oh Allah. وَالْخَيْرَ فِي يَدَيْكَ And all good is in your hands. And then Allah will say to Adam, bring out the people of the fire. Bring out a group of people or certain people who are destined for the fire. And Adam will say, what or how many are the people of the fire? And Allah will then say, out of every thousand, take out 999 persons. Out of every 1,000, take out 999 persons. What this basically tells us is that out of every 1,000, one person is destined for Jannah. One person is uh, deserved of Jannah. Whereas the rest... They are heading towards Jahannam, Allah Musta'an. So this is the point that the Shaykh is mentioning behind, mentioning this hadith. Is to show that we are very few. Well, not we, but should we say, the people who are upon righteousness truly, they are very few and may Allah make us of them. This should be our hope, you know, and, our, and our, what we yearn for, that Allah makes us of them, bi'idhnillahi ta'ala. As for the word at-takathur, so al-hakum we said means, that which busies you and distracts you until it becomes a, a major distraction or a diversion away from that which is more important regarding the, the uh, concerning dhikrullah and ta'atullah, obedience to Allah and so forth. And it's it's general. It includes so many things, right? And as we said today, it, it's, it's so much worse or there are so many more distractions out there. Subhanallah. As for the word at-takathur, at-takathur, it includes wealth right what is it that they are seeking more of so firstly regarding uh, distractions there are many different forms of distraction but here Allah is saying what specifically he's mentioning is there are things that uh, he's saying that the competition for more for wanting an increase right this is what is distracting you so what what is this referring to it refers to wealth Definitely it refers to wealth. There are people out there who this is their main concern is to somehow find a way to get more and to increase in their wealth and to this is what they dedicate their lives to such that that seeking you know of their wealth becomes a major distraction for them meaning their job for example they're hustling, they're bustling, they're moving this becomes a priority such that they miss their salah such that they end up in sin such that their they, they job or their work perhaps is in sin. Because what's more important to them is getting more. Finding more wealth. Even if it means investing in haram. Even if it means, you know, uh, 
avoiding that which is pleasing to Allah, like going to the masajid or fulfilling your wajibat because I have to be at a particular business meeting or at a particular place to make a trade and so forth. It can also be in terms of tribalism or status that people, to them, the more they are or the, the higher they are in status, this is this is more what this is this is basically their concern as opposed to humbling themselves for the sake of Allah for example or knowing their, their place and sticking to their you know their lane and staying in their lane but rather they are seeking status they are seeking fame they are seeking reputation and all of this is a diversion for them they are only looking for more and more in this dunya and this serves as a major diversion for them and even in knowledge and even in, in knowledge, perhaps it's, it's, it's studies, it's, it's a type of knowledge that people are competing over that could even be a diversion for them. And then the, the ulama say, and in all matters whereby people become proud and arrogant. It's not limited to these things only, in any issue. Any issue that can lead to, you know, pride and arrogance and boastfulness. These type of matters is, is, is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is talking about. That it's this type of competition that you are looking for. Looking for more and more of these type of things in this dunya that ultimately is a major distraction for you and turns you away from the, the most important thing which is Allah Azza wa Jal. Um, Sheikh Ibn Uthaymin then said that if it means competing in knowledge of the Sharia then this is of course something that's good. Right? If we compete with one another to improve or to increase in our knowledge so that we, we increase in our knowledge of the Qur'an, we compete with one another in our hifz of the Qur'an, or whatever it may be, then this is of course something good, as long as our niyyah is for the sake of Allah. As if uh, it's for worldly knowledge, not knowledge of the deen, then this is either permissible, depending on what the knowledge is all about, or it could become haram, depending again, what knowledge we are seeking. Or, if it's a worldly knowledge that we are seeking, which is permissible, Let's say we are studying some degree or something to that effect. Alhamdulillah, there's some goodness in it. Medicine, engineering, whatever it may be. The most important thing is that it's something good, it's something permissible, but that must not be a distraction for us. That must not become our main concern. That my concern is to become a doctor or a teacher or a lawyer or an engineer or whatever it may be an accountant, but this studies, this degree, this work that I'm looking for becomes my main concern such that my deen is put aside, such that the remembrance of Allah is forgotten, the book of Allah is put aside, the textbooks are the only thing that I spend time with and so forth. So even the studies, you know, this is why the Sheikh said in knowledge it can also become a distraction. So in worldly knowledge, there's no problem studying these things, but remember, this is not should not be a distraction from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It should not divert us away from Allah Azza wa Jal. And this is something very important, especially for our youngsters out there that are studying um, and so forth. And then the Sheikh says, this is most common with the children of Adam. They are always competing for more in these issues over that which Allah created them for of worship. Yani, this is... What, what he means is that this is something that is widespread. This is the, the, actually the norm in, in, in society around the globe that most of the time we as insan, as the children of Adam, we are distracted by all of these things around us of the dunya. 
as opposed to being focused on the worship of Allah. This is what Allah created us for. This is what He wanted us to be busying ourselves with primarily. Everything else is secondary to that. But when this is flipped and this roles are reversed and these issues become the primary issue and the worship of Allah becomes secondary, then this becomes a problem and this ayah is what then is applied to us. Ibn Kathir rahimahullah, he says that Allah says that all are preoccupied by love of this world, its delights and its adornments, and this distracts you from seeking the year after and desiring it. This delays you until death comes to you and you end up visiting your grave. This is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us in this ayat. Uh, in Sahih al-Bukhari, it is reported that Ubay ibn Ka'b, radiyallahu anhu, he said, We used to think that this was a part of the Qur'an until the ayah was revealed which says, Al-Hakumuttakathur. Competition for more gains diverts you. So, what was he referring to? What was he referring to? He was referring to the hadith in which the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said, لو كان لابن آدم واد من ذهب If the son of Adam had a valley of gold, he would desire another like it. This wording he said, he said about that wording, we used to think that this was a part of the Qur'an. Perhaps the Prophet repeated it, Wallahu a'lam. But what is he saying? If the son of Adam had a valley of gold, he would desire another like it. And he has never sufficed. You know, he's, he's always looking for more, always striving and searching for more. And then Allah said, this ayah was then revealed, It's that competition for more gains, looking for more all the time. It's that which is diverting you. O sons of Adam, Allah is addressing all of us, not a few of us as we mentioned. So this is why Ibn Kathir said, all are preoccupied by the love of this world. Most people, as we said, except for a very few, but most, if not all, are preoccupied by the love of this world. The delights of this dunya, the adornments, the beautification of this dunya, this is what is a distraction for us from seeking the year after and desiring the year after. So this is a, really, an, this one verse, subhanAllah, is such a powerful ayah that we need to reflect over. And, and again, it's about introspection and each one of us need to look at ourselves and think, where are we heading? How much is this dunya diverting us? Are we, you know, is our goal dunya we orientated or is it orientated towards the akhirah? This is something of, of utmost importance that we ask ourselves. Ibn Kathir then mentioned another hadith which was recorded by Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal, rahimahullah, from Abdullah ibn Shikhid, radiallahu anhu, that he said, I came to the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallama while he was saying or reciting Al-Hakum takathur And he said, Yaqul ibn Adam, the son of Adam, he says, Mali, Mali, my wealth, my wealth. This is the son of Adam. This is the reality of the son of Adam. What is his main concern? Mali, Mali, my wealth, my wealth. And then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallama said, وَهَلْ لَكَ مِنْ مَالِكَ إِلَّا مَا أَكَلْتَ فَأَفْنَيْتَ أو لبست فأبليت أو تصدقت فأمضيت سبحان الله He's then showing us the reality of our wealth What is it really worth? How much does it actually benefit us? And he said But what do you get and in terms of benefit from your wealth except for that which you ate and you finished 
So this is one type of benefit. We spend on our wealth and we buy things to eat or we make things to eat. We eat and it's done. It's a benefit to us. We, we, our bodies nourished and so forth. Or that which you clothe yourself with and you wore it out. So you got you some, some clothing, you covered your body, your aura, you kept yourself warm and safe and so forth. Eventually the clothes wears, you know, becomes worn out. There's some benefit in that wealth, yes. Or that which you give as charity and you have spent it. So that money that you spent for charity, you spent it, it's gone. Without shak, without doubt, there's great benefit in it. The rewards of charity and so forth is so much. But what other benefit is there? This is what the Prophet is getting us to. These are the three things that, that really will benefit you in terms of your wealth. Beyond that, what, what benefit is there going to be in your wealth is what he is saying. So you've eaten from your wealth, that's good, is benefit. You've clothed yourself, that's good, you've benefited. And you're giving charity, that's benefit. Beyond that, hoarding your wealth, spending it on luxuries, you know, seeking more and more and more. There is no benefit in this for the son of Adam. This is what the Prophet is making very clear. And in another hadith, Al-Bukhari recalls from Anas ibn Malik radiallahu anhu that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, Three things follow the mayyit, the dead person or the deceased person. Two of those three will return and only one will remain with him in his grave. يَتْبَعُهُ أَهْلُهُ وَمَالُهُ وَعَمَلُهُ The three things that follow him are his family, his wealth and his actions, his deeds. The two that return are his family and his wealth. فَيَرْجِعُ أَهْلُهُ وَمَالُهُ وَيَبْقَى عَمَلُهُ And the one that remains with him will be his deeds. يعني that wealth that we are striving for, that we are looking for, that we are just competing with each other over, that we are looking for, that we are spending so much time and effort and thought and blood and sweat into finding and, and seeking more and more of it. When we are buried, when we are in, into our graves, that wealth will follow us to our graves, but it's going to return. Yani it's not going to stay with us. It's not going to benefit us, is what the point of this hadith is telling us. What is going to benefit and remain with us is our amal. Our righteous deeds, or our deeds in general will remain with us, right? If your righteous deeds were outweighed, or, it, or that if, if it outweighs your bad, it will be a great benefit to you. And if your evil deeds outweighed it, this will be a, a problem in, in the Qabr, Wallahu Musta'an. So again, where is our focus? Is it on our deeds, or is it in our wealth? Is it in our family? Right? Yes, everything has its haq. As a Muslim, we need to always be balanced. But we need to prioritize as well. And this is the key. We have to seek wealth. We have to earn wealth. We have to have a family and look after our families and provide for our families. But we have to prioritize. What's more important is our amal. What's more important is the way that we seek the wealth. How much attention and importance we give to that wealth. What comes first? Salah or the, or the business? What comes first? The way that we earn the money, is it halal or haram? What's more important? Is it the amount of money or the, the legitimate or, the, or the, 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 the permissibility of that wealth? And so forth. 
if it's about prioritization, it's not to say that we don't seek wealth. It's not to say that we don't worry with our family. No. Everything has its haq. Everything has its place. But it's about prioritization of the believer. Not to be distracted by these things such that we forget Allah. Such that we put Allah second. Or the deen of Allah second. Or the book of Allah second. And so forth. Another hadith Imam Ahmad records from Anas ibn Malik radiallahu anhu that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said Yahram ibn Adam wa yabqa minhu thnatani al-hirsu wal-amal The son of Adam becomes old with senility. Yani he becomes senile. But yet two things remain with him. Greed and hope. La hawla wa la quwata illa billah. The son of Adam becomes old and senile and weak and frail. He's forgetting things. He's on his way to his deathbed. But he still has two qualities. What are these two qualities that are with him? Greed and hope. Subhanallah. And this hadith is also in Bukhari and Muslim as mentioned by Ibn Kathir. Rahimahullah. So this is the reality of insan. Understand? This is the reality of insan. And... What's incumbent upon us is that we do not become like this when we become old. And we and this is the importance of ilm, of knowledge, and the importance of knowing what's important and the prioritization and so forth. That we know that the akhirah must be our, 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 ultimate, our ultimate goal. And this is why Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam used to make a dua and say, Allahumma la taj'ali dunya akbar hammina. Oh Allah, do not make this dunya our, 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 our most important uh, goal or our, our biggest um, concern our most important concern do not make this dunya our biggest concern rather it must be the akhirah nor the, the goal of our knowledge we are not seeking knowledge and striving for this dunya no we seek for the akhirah the akhirah must be our main concern this is the way of the believer so as he gets old his concern is not about more and more and hope and greed and hoping for this and it's about the akhirah whatever he's done alhamdulillah whatever he's earned alhamdulillah he's, he's, he's preparing for the akhirah and not you know worrying about dunya with things and so forth the next ayah Allah then continues and he says hatta zurtumul maqabir alhaakumul takathur hatta zurtumul maqabir it's that competition for gains which diverts them until you end up in your graves it diverts you Allah says until you end up in your graves. So the word zurtum is also used, which is of importance, which we will get to inshallah. Here the scholars explain and they say, meaning you will continue competing for more and more until you die and until you end up in your graves or until you end up visiting your grave. And this is what this word zurtum means. It actually means to visit your qabr, not to end up in your qabr. Okay? Because zurtum yani means to visit, right? It comes from za'ir or uh, which means to visit, right? So the ayah is actually saying until you end up visiting your qabr. And this is why Umar, Umar ibn Abdul Aziz rahimahullah, he said on this ayah, he used this ayah and he used to say that a visitor of a particular land, he must return to his homeland. If you are a visitor, you can't stay in a place forever. If you go visit a particular city, particular country, a particular any place, you're a visitor, which means you gotta have, you got to go back home because you're a visitor. And that therefore means 
that the grave is not a place of permanent residency or permanent stay. Understand? Because Allah says, Zurtumul of visiting the grave, which means it's only a stop. And from there we have to go on as well. So our grave is not our final destination. Right? As believers, we do not say that we, we, he's reached his final destination. We know there's, uh, there's going to be a resurrection. He's going to be standing on Qiyamah. And then there's the, the final destination, which is, which is the Akhirah. It, which is either Jannah or Jahannam. Wallahu musta'an. So, again, the ayah is telling us, linked to the previous ayah, you will continuously be competing and competing, looking for more and more gains until you are diverted away from Allah. Until you end up visiting your qabr, your graves. And then Allah says, But know, you will soon come to know. And again, know, you will soon come to know. Imam Hassan al-Basri, rahimahullah, he said, This is a threat after a threat. سوف تعلمون. That's a threat. سوف تعلمون. Again, know. You will soon come to know another threat. Subhanallah. This word kalla, kalla sofa ta'lamun, thumma kalla sofa ta'lamun. The word kalla, we translate as no or nay. Right? However, some said that this is an instruction, this is an instruction to refrain from this takathur. Takathur that's mentioned in the first ayah. When Allah says kalla, it's like an instruction to say, Stay away from those things. Stay away from this, you know, com- competing for more and always looking for more. And some say it means haqqan, yani, truly, truly you, are, you will soon come to know. Truly you will soon come to know. Difference of opinion regarding the word kalla over there. Tayyib. Um, sawfa ta'lamun. Kalla sawfa ta'lamun. Allah says, truly you will soon come to know. Meaning what? You will soon come to know the consequences of that takathur when you return to the year after. If you're going to continue like this, this is what Allah is telling us, if you are going to continue like this, competing for more and more and being distracted and you get diverted away from Allah and His deen and His book and the sunnah of the Prophet and so forth, until you end up visiting your qabr, then truly you are going to come to know. You are going to see the consequences of that type of life. You're going to see the consequences of that type of you know, hunger for more when you reach the Akhirah. And you will see and know that the takathur, that type of life that looking for more and more, did not benefit you in any way. It's not going to benefit you. Not in the grave and not in the Akhirah. And that is, that is you know, ultimately we'll be looking for benefit. How long will we be in our Qabr? Thousands of years possibly. Well, oh, Adam, only Allah knows when is Qiyamah. When is the sa'ah? When is the hour? But look at Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Look at the sahaba. They are in the qabr for over thousands and hundreds of years. Right? We are now 1440 odd years beyond hijrah. Which means that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is in his qabr for about 1430 something years. Afwan. <coughs> He's in his qabr. The Sahaba, Uthman ibn Affan, Umar ibn Khattab, Abu Bakr anhu, and many others. What about those before them? They are in their qabr for over 1,400 years. 
What then? How long more? What about us? Yet we are competing for the dunya, which is on average 60, 70 years, maybe more, maybe less. But compared to the Qabr, it's not worth it. So what's the point of competing and being distracted for something that is so short-lived and so, so short-stayed? And then there's the Akhirah, which is forever and ever and ever. It never comes to an end. Subhanallah. And then Allah says, And this is for emphasis. Again, know, truly, you will soon come to know. Emphasizing what was mentioned. Yani, it's definitely going to happen. Be careful, beware, it's, you are going to come to know. If you don't wake up now, you are going to wake up eventually and realize in your qabr where it's too late. We are, we, we are going to be like those people who, are, who say to Allah, Ya Rabbi Rji'oon, My Lord, send me back. لَعَلِّي أَعْمَلُ صَالِحًا فِيمَا تَرَقْتَ So that perhaps I can go and do righteous deed which I left, which I did not do. But, Allah says, Nay, it's not going to happen. Even if we sent you back, it wouldn't even happen. So this is the reminder for myself and for all of us, subhanAllah, to wake up now. To take heed of this threat after another threat. And not to be like those who are only seeking more and seeking more and more gains in this dunya. And being diverted from our, the most important thing which is the akhirah. And Allah Azza wa Jal. Muslim records in his sahih from Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu that the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Yaqulu al-abdu mali mali. Again, the servant, the slave, he says, my wealth, my wealth. This is his concern. وَإِنَّمَا لَهُ مِنْ مَالِهِ ثَلَاثٌ Similar to the previous hadith we mentioned, slightly different, he says, yet he only gets three benefits from his wealth. مَا أَكَلَ فَأَفْنَى That which he eats and finishes. أَوْ لَبِسَ فَأَبْلَى That which he uh, wears until it's worn out. أَوْ تَصَدَّقَ فَأَمْضَى All that which he gives in charity and it is spent. وَمَا سِوَى ذَلِكَ فَذَاهِبٌ وَتَارِكُهُ لِلنَّاسِ Everything else other than that will go away and leave him for the people. Subhanallah, anything beyond that, it's not going to benefit you. In reality, it's going to end up with someone else, in somebody else's hand. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, in the next ayah, He says, Indeed, if you were to know with yaqeen, with certainty, you would have acted differently. And that's interpretation, obviously, of the uh, translation. Basically, Allah is saying, indeed, if you were to know with certainty, then things would have been different. You know, you would have acted differently. Um, had you known with certainty, that's all Allah is saying. Indeed, if you were to know with certainty, and Allah stops there. Meaning, yani if you had true knowledge, as Ibn Kathir said, if you had true ilm, you have true certainty of Allah, of the Akhirah, of the reality of affairs, of your fate, of the consequences that's going to happen, if you are going to live this type of life, if you have true knowledge, true certainty about it, then you would not be diverted like this by rivalry for wealth, seeking more and more, competing for wealth. This would not happen. And this would not be, you would not be diverted by this from seeking the abode of the year after until you reach your graves. It would not happen if you had true knowledge. If you had certainty, knowledge and certainty that of your fate, 
or of what's going to come, of the consequences which we spoke about in the previous ayah. If you truly knew about this, then, then you wouldn't be this type of person. And again, this is why we see the importance of knowledge and acting according to the knowledge and not being a person who's ghafil, heedless. We know, but we don't pay attention. We know, but we know what's going to come. We know Qiyamah is coming. You know the Akhirah is coming, but we don't pay attention. And perhaps most people are heedless. Most Muslimin especially are heedless. Because they know that they believe in the Akhirah. They believe in the Day of Qiyamah. They believe that they're going to stand in front of Allah. They believe in this scale of good deeds and bad deeds. But yet they don't live appropriately. Yet we still carry on. And this is what we call ghafla. Ghafla is that we know what's right and wrong, but we don't really pay attention to it. It's, a, it's different to jahal. Jahal is ignorance where we don't know anything. We're not sure is right or wrong. We, we don't know what we, that we are actually doing something wrong. That's jahal, ignorance. But ghafla is when you know it's wrong, but you still do it. You know, you know it's a sin, but we still carry on. This is what we call ghafla. And most people are in ghafla. Because most issues are clear of the deen. Besides a few things here and there. Right? Subhanallah. So that's why Allah says, if you had ilm al-yaqeen, you would have acted differently. You would not be like this. So which means most of us, we don't have ilm al-yaqeen. The knowledge hasn't penetrated our hearts yet. It hasn't changed us yet. It's not beneficial to us yet. Subhanallah. He says, truly, if you knew with certainty, you would have known that you were upon misguidance. However, you do not know with certainty because you are heedless and distracted by the dunya. And this is exactly what we are saying, exactly the point that we are, we've just made, that if you had that true certainty and true knowledge, you would have known that you were upon misguidance. You would have stopped yourself and realized, look, I'm not going down the right path. My... This, this path I'm trading is, 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 is diverting me away from the path of Allah. This, comp- this competing for gains or for wealth or for status and for this and for that is in reality taking me down a, an incorrect path. It's leading me astray. Ilm al-yaqeen would have, would have made me realize, made us realize. But as Ibn Uthaymi says, you do not know with certainty. We know but we also don't realize. We don't have certainty. Hence that knowledge doesn't benefit us because you are heedless, the Sheikh says. Ghafla. Negligent and heedless and distracted by the dunya. Wallahu musta'an. Allah then says, لَتَرَوُنَّ الْجَحِيمُ ثُمَّ لَتَرَوُنَّهَا عَيْنَ الْيَقِينَ But you will surely see the hellfire. Again, you will surely see it with the eye of certainty. You will surely see the hellfire. Again, you will surely see it with the eye of certainty. Firstly, Ibn Uthaymin, rahimahullah, he says that this ayah is by itself and not connected to the law in the previous ayah. Therefore, one should stop at the previous verse and not continue through. Meaning, when Allah says, If you knew with, with certainty, you will surely see the hellfire. This ayah is not connected to the previous ayah, meaning a person should stop when he reads this ayah. He should stop and he should not go through and say, uh, uh, join the ayat basically. Because this ayah does not refer back to the previous ayah. It actually refers back to the one before it. So this is why 
this is what we call al-waqf in in and in, in Quran that it's very important to know where we're supposed to stop and where, we, where it's good to go through. At times, at certain ayat, you can join them. It's good. The meaning is good. But sometimes it's better to stop. Because when you join them, you could be distorting the meaning. Subhanallah. Right? So, the reason for this is that seeing the hellfire is not connected to having knowledge with certainty. This ayah is telling us, you will surely see the hellfire. Right? And the previous ayah said, if you had knowledge of certainty, you'd certain, you, you know, you knew with certainty, right? You would have been different. This is what that eye is telling us. But the next eye is telling us, you will surely see the hellfire. But this is not connected to this. Okay? Meaning, um, seeing the hellfire is not connected to having knowledge of certainty. Rather, knowledge of certainty would have saved you from the hellfire. Hence, Sheikh is saying, one should stop when he comes to this ayah, ilm al and then stop and then read the next ayah لَتَرَوُنَّ الْجَحِيمِ But you should not say كَلَّ لَوْ تَعْلَمُنَا عِلْمَ الْيَقِينِ لَتَرَوُنَّ الْجَحِيمِ Because connecting it there and joining it there can distort and corrupt the meaning. Right? Then she says you should stop at the end of the verse because it will distort to corrupt the meaning and also it is sunnah to stop at the end of every verse. This is how Rasulullah used to recite أَلَاكُمُ التَّكَاثُرْ حَتَّى زُرْتُمُ الْمَقَابِرِ كَلَّا سَوْفَ تَعْلَمُونَ ثُمَّ كَلَّا سَوْفَ تَعْلَمُونَ كَلَّا لَوْ تَعْلَمُونَ عِلْمَ الْيَقِينَ لَتَرَوُنَّ الْجَحِيمَ This is how the Prophet ﷺ in general used to read. Stop at the end of every ayah. So that's also a sunnah. Although as we said at times it's okay to join, no problem. But it's, it's also important to try and know where it's good to join and where it's not good to join. Um, inshallah. The lamb in this ayah is also a lamb of qasam. Therefore it means, by Allah you will surely see the fire. The lamb in this ayah, is a lamb of qasam. Meaning, it's, you are swearing by Allah. Allah is swearing and saying, by Allah you will surely see the hellfire. Again, emphasis. right? Emphasizing it even further. Ibn Kathir says, this is an explanation of the previous threat, which was in Allah saying, So, the ayah over here, where Allah says, you will surely see the hellfire, again, you will surely see it with the eye of certainty, there's no doubt, you are going to see the hellfire. But who is this applied, applied to? It's not applied to the ayah before this, where Allah said, indeed, you, if you were to have Knowledge of certainty? No. It applies to the one before that where Allah said, You will soon come to know. Again, you will soon come to know. Referring to those people who did not take heed, who continued upon this path of just looking, uh, you know, being diverted by the dunya and, and seeking more and more of the dunya, for them, Allah warned them and said, You are going to come to know. <clears throat> and you will surely come to know. And then two ayat later, Allah then says, الجحيم, You will surely see the hellfire. So this punishment here, this is the consequence, right, of that threat of those people who did not take heed. طيب, thus Ibn Kathir said, Allah threatens them with this situation, which is what the people of the hellfire will see. 
It is a fire which if it is if it exhaled one breath. So this is what they will see, meaning with Ayn al-Yaqeen, Allah says, without a doubt, this is what they are going to see. Because they were diverted. They were distracted away from Allah because of their seeking of the dunya. And Allah warned them, they never listened. This is this is what the consequence now. Letter of Unna al-Jahim, you are going to see the al-Jahim. Al-Jahim means the fire. Surely again you are going to see it with the eye of certainty. This fire, Ibn Kathir said, if it exhaled one breath, every angel who is near to Allah and every prophet who was sent would fall down on their knees, on their knees due to fear, awe and the sight of its horrors. And this is based upon what has been reported in the narrations concerning it. I mean, Uthaymin says Al-Jahim is one of the names of the fire, as we mentioned. One of the names of the fire of Jahannam, Al-Jahim is this letter of Al-Jahim. They will see Al-Jahim means the fire of Jahannam. This is an emphasis, meaning again they will see it with the eye of certainty. Emphasis that they are definitely going to see it. There's no doubt. When will it be seen, this Jahim, this fire? On the day of Qiyamah, they will see it. And the Prophet ﷺ has said about the fire that it will be brought forth on the day of Qiyamah, having 70,000 bridles. And with every handle will be 70,000 angels dragging it. This is to indicate how massive this fire is, how severe this fire is. That there are 70,000 bridles and with every handle will be 70,000 angels dragging it. This is the type of how severe it will be, Wallahu Musta'an. And this is what they will see on that day. And then Allah Azza wa Jal in the final ayah of the surah, He says, Then on that day, you will definitely be questioned about your worldly pleasures, about the na'im. Remember this word na'im, the pleasures, the favors, the bounties that we experienced. Allah is saying, you will definitely be questioned about it. You are going to be questioned about it. Ibn Kathir, he explained and he says, On that day, you will all be questioned concerning your gratitude towards the favors that Allah blessed you with. You will be asked, did you return his favors by being grateful unto him and worshipping him? Yani on that day, every single person will be asked concerning the favors and the pleasures that he experienced. Were you grateful or not? Did you return the favors of Allah by being grateful unto Him and worshipping Him or not? This is the question that each person will be asked on that day. Ibn Uthaymin said, all will be asked about the favors and the delights and the pleasures of Allah, the believer and the disbeliever. This doesn't only apply to the kuffar. Some scholars said the believers, some said the disbelievers. What's more correct is it applies to all. Everybody will be asked this question. The believer will be asked as a form of a reminder about the favors. Allah, it's, it's, you know, it serves as a reminder for him, those favors that you experience and so forth. It will be asked like this. Whereas the kafir will be asked in a form of denunciation, condemnation, criticism and rebuke. In a way that it's, 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 it's a, a blame upon them. Uh, it's, they're being rebuked by Allah. But both parties will be, will be asked about those pleasures that they experience in this dunya. Um, so this is general regarding all favors and bounties. Tayyib, again some ulama said no, it refers to this, it refers to safety, it refers to health, it refers to free time, it refers to various things. 
The correct view is, as stated by At-Tabari and many other Imams of Tafsir, is that it, it, it's, it's, it's Am, meaning it is general, it's all-encompassing of all the favors and bounties and pleasures that Allah SWT bestowed upon His creation. They will be asked about all of it, right? And it is general in that all will be questioned about it, as we said, the Muslim and the, the disbeliever. The ulama of tafsir then mentioned various ahadith that, you know, explains this ayah and shows how uh, it mentions, you know, this questioning about and, and gratitude and so forth. So we look at a hadith narrated by Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu that Allah's Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam went out of his house one day or one night and there he found Abu Bakr and Umar. And he said to them, what has brought you out of your houses at this hour? It was late at night. Or perhaps midday when it was really hot. So they said, Allah's messenger, it is hunger. Ya Rasulullah, hunger has brought us out. They had nothing at home. Thereupon he said, by him in whose hand is my life, what has brought you out has brought me out too. And it's my hunger as well has brought me out. I'm looking for something. So he says to them, get up. Yani, come with me. So they got up along with him and all of them, they carried on until they came to the house of an Ansari man. That one of the men of the Ansar. But this man was not home. And when his wife saw him, yani he, she saw the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, she said to him, you know, welcome. And Allah's messenger said to her, where is so and so, your husband? And she said, he has gone to get some fresh water for us. And when the Ansari came and he saw Allah's messenger and his two companions, he said, praise be to Allah, no one, no one has more honorable guests today than I. Alhamdulillah, modern honor. Right, he was visited by the three best of all men. Of his time, obviously, right? The Prophet the best of all men, and the two Sahaba, the best of men after the Anbiya, Abu Bakr and Umar anhum. Then the man went out and he brought him a bunch of ripe dates, dry dates, fresh dates, different types of dates, and said, "Eat of them." He then took hold of his knife for slaughtering one of his his, his animals of cattle that he had, and the Prophet said to him, "Do not kill an animal that gives milk." Right? Meaning you can benefit from this animal, so don't kill. So what he did was, he slaughtered a sheep for them. And after they had eaten of it, and of the bunch of grapes, and they drank of the water and so forth, they were now, alhamdulillah, satisfied, and they had fulfilled their hunger and their thirst. And when they had taken their full and had been fully satisfied with the drink, Allah's Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, said to Abu Bakr and Umar, radiallahu anhumah, وَالَّذِي نَفْسِي بِيَدِهِ بَهِمْ in whose hand is my life? Yani, swearing by Allah. La تُسْأَلُنَّ عَنْ هَذَا النَّعِيمِ Remember I mentioned the word na'im, right? Which means the pleasures that you will be asked about the pleasures. Yeah, he says to them, you will certainly be questioned about this na'im, about this pleasure, about this bounty, this favor on the day of Qiyamah. أَخْرَجَكُمْ مِنْ بُيُوتِكُمُ الْجُوعُ Hunger has brought you out of your house. However, you did not return or you will not return home until this bounty has come to you. Understand? You did not return home until this bounty has come to you. Subhanallah. So this is an example of what this ayah is telling us. Allah is telling us in the end of this ayah, On that day you will be asked about the na'im. About the, the pleasures, the bounties, the favors that you experience, the delights. This hadith, we saw this, uh, the, the, the story what happened. The Prophet then says to Abu Bakr and Umar, By Allah, you will be questioned about this na'im on the day of Qiyamah. About these dates that you ate, this meat that you had, the water that you had, 
this, this is pleasure, this is delight, this is bounty and favors from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You came out hungry and now you're not returning home except that you have been fulfilled by this bounty, by this na'im. So this will be questioned about on the day of Qiyamah. This shows us, this is some of the type of na'im that will be questioned about. right? So we can think in our lives, the food that we eat, the water that we drink, the fruits that we eat, like dates and other fruits, the meat and other foods that we eat, we are going to be questioned about it. In another similar narration, on a, regarding a similar story, the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said the same story but in a bit of a different narration. He said, "Hada waladi nafsi biyadi min al-naim aladi tusaluna an." See the word naim again. By the one in whose hand is my soul, this is among the favors, among the naims, which you will be asked about on the day of of Qiyama. Zillun baridun. وَرُطَبٌ طَيِّبٌ وَمَاءٌ بَارِدٌ Cool shade of the things you'll be asked about. Tasty, ripe dates. رُطَبٌ طَيِّبٌ Nice, healthy, good dates. Ripe dates. رُطَب is something which is a, a ripe date, it's not a dry date. And cool water. مَاءٌ بَارِدٌ These are the things you'll be asked about on the day of Qiyamah. And this is part of the na'im that you'll be asked about the Prophet sallallahu is saying in this hadith. Although there's some weakness in the hadith, the meaning of the hadith is definitely correct. And Allah knows best. In another hadith he said, إِنَّ أَوَّلَ مَا يُسْأَلُ عَنْهُ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ يَعْنِي الْعَبْدِ مِنَ النَّعِيمِ أَنْ يُقَالَ لَهُ أَلَمْ نُصِحَّ لَكَ جِسْمَكَ وَنُرْوِيكَ مِنَ الْمَاءِ الْبَارِدِ Indeed, the Prophet said the first of what will be asked about on the day of judgment, meaning the slave, what he will be asked about concerning the favors, the na'im that he has been given, is that it will be said to him, did we not make your body healthy huh? and give you of water, you know, of cool water to drink? Did we not give you strength and health into your, in your body physically we made you healthy? And did we not give you cool water to drink? These are the things that will be asked about of the na'im that will be asked about on the day of Qiyamah. That hadith is authenticated by Sheikh Al-Bani rahimahullah. In another hadith, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, The feet of the son of Adam shall not move from before his Lord on the day of Qiyamah until he is asked about five things. عن عمره فيما أفناه About his life and what he did with it. وعن شبابه فيما أبلاه About his youth and what he wore it out in. Where did he spend his youth? وماله من أين اكتسبه And about his wealth and how he earned it. وَفِيمَا أَنْفَقَهُ And where he spent it. And on what did he spend that wealth? وَمَاذَا عَمِلَ فِيمَا عَلِمَ And what did, he, what he did with what he knew, with his knowledge. Subhanallah. Yeah, this hadith is, I think, lost as Hassan by Sheikh Al-Bani, rahimahullah. Meaning, these are the five things that he will be questioned about. What did he do with his life? What did he do with his youth? His money? Where did he earn it? Where did he spend it? His... Knowledge, what's he, we, subhanallah, what did you do with your knowledge? You've learned so much, as Muslims we are always learning something. Are we acting upon it? Are we being heedless? Are we turning away from the knowledge? Subhanallah, all of this will be asked about come the day of Qiyamah. This is part of this na'im, delights and pleasures and favors that Allah has bestowed upon us that we will be asked about. In another hadith, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, نِعْمَتَانِ مَغْبُونٌ فِيهِمَا كَثِيرٌ مِنَ النَّاسِ الصِّحَةُ وَالْفَرَاغِ Two blessings which many people squander. 
most people they do not pay heed or they are not heedless or they, are, they do not uh, uh, give it importance good health and free time two blessings which people squander they are heedless of it most people they are heedless of these two bounties what is it good health and free time this is part of the bounties of allah allah will question us about our free time he will question us about our health what did we do when we were healthy before we became sick subhanallah when kathiri says this means that people are lacking in gratitude for these two favors most people we don't take we do not do enough when we are healthy so when we become sick now we start to regret i wish i did this and i wish i did that free time the same we have so much free time we waste it then when we get busy we wish i did this and we wish we accomplished this and so forth subhanallah this is the reality and the prophet sallallahu is warning us how many of us will take heed Allah guide us. Um, As-Si'di rahimahullah in his tafsir he said of this ayah those favors which you enjoyed in the dunya have you fulfilled your shukr for them? Have you fulfilled the right of Allah regarding them? Have you abstained from using them to assist you in disobedience? If so then he will bless you with delights or favors even greater than them and more virtuous than them. Subhanallah. Listen to this words. He says again, the favors which Allah bestowed, the na'im that Allah gave you in this dunya, have you fulfilled your shukr about them? Have we thanked Allah? Are we grateful unto Allah for these bounties? Whether it's our health, our wealth, our free time, our family, our food, are we, are we grateful for it? Do we live like grateful people? Are we loving in sin? Or do we, are we heedless about these bounties? Or do we just not appreciate anything? Always looking for more. Never sufficient, never sufficed, never content. Have we showed shukr to Allah? Shukr again, what is shukr? That's another important issue. Shukr itself is not just saying Alhamdulillah, that's one aspect of shukr. Shukr is number one, believing in the heart. This comes from Allah, we are grateful. Alhamdulillah. Second is on the tongue, we thank Allah. Alhamdulillah. And thirdly, we follow up that shukr with action. That we show our gratitude by doing more good deeds and by staying away from sin. This is actual shukr. It's all encompassing. So this is what the Sheikh is meaning when he says, Have you fulfilled your shukr for all of these bounties? Because Allah is going to ask us about it. Have you fulfilled the right of Allah regarding them? And have you used these bounties in the disobedience of Allah to assist yourself in the disobedience? And this is such a powerful point. Allah bless us with eyes. Do we use the eyes to look at halal or haram? Allah bless us with ears. Do we use these ears, which is a bounty, to listen to haram? to halal if it's used for halal we are being grateful if it's used for haram we are being ungrateful our tongue our hands our body our wealth all of this is this subhanallah all of these are bounties how are we using them this is what Allah is going to question us about and then he said if so if this is your condition Allah is going to bless you with more and more with even greater than what you have and especially in the akhirah even better the bounties will be multiplied tenfold and more. Allah make us of this group, Amin. And then the Sheikh says, Or have you been deceived by them? Are these bounties deceiving to you? And not fulfilled your gratitude to him regarding these bounties. Rather, perhaps you use them in your disobedience unto him. As we explained, using these bounties in sin. And he will therefore punish you for that. Allah then says, or he quotes another ayah where Allah says, وَيَوْمَ يُعْرَضُ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا عَلَى النَّارِ أَذْهَبَتُمْ طَيِّبَاتِكُمْ فِي حَيَاتِكُمُ الدُّنْيَا وَاسْتَمْتَعْتُمْ بِهَا 
فاليوم تجزون عذابا هون بما كنتم تستكبرون في الارض بغير الحق وبما كنتم تفسقون سوره احقاف verse number 20 Allah says watch for the day when the disbelievers will be exposed to the fire they will be told you already exhausted your share of pleasures during your worldly life that's the only pleasure you're going to get it's nothing in the akhirah for you and you fully enjoyed them meaning you made the most you enjoyed yourself you used it for sin you used it to please yourself in, in you fulfill your desires and so forth but you did not remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with them and then Allah says so today you will be rewarded with the torment of disgrace adab al-hun the torment of the punishment of disgrace for your arrogance throughout the land which was no right and you had no right to to be that arrogant and to do what you did and for your rebelliousness here comes the the, the torment of disgrace which is is jahannam subhanallah so this is the surah which is an extremely powerful surah once again as all of the surahs are the quran from start to finish undoubtedly if we give it its due right and we ponder and reflect over it we will see the power of these ayat and how heavy they are and how deep they are of lessons and, and of, of advice and of subhanallah so much benefit and this is just again a drop in the ocean of the tafsir of these surahs there's so much more written on them but yet this is what time allows for us and what Allah has decreed for us, alhamdulillah. So we ask Allah first of all to make it a benefit for us and a proof for us and not a proof against us. And that He guides us and not makes us of those who are diverted from Him by this dunya and by seeking and competing with, with each other for more and more of this dunya. Rather that He makes us of those who have ilm al yaqeen who truly have that certainty of knowledge and that it saves us, that, that, that it serves as a protection for us, that it diverts us away from the dunya and rather onto the path you know seeking the akhirah and in the path of Allah Azzawajal and that Allah Azzawajal makes us of the few that are grateful unto him Amin Rabbil Alameen and up until next week inshallah we will discuss Suratul Asr inshallah uh, until then inshallah wa sallallahu ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik ashadu an la ilahi illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk assalamu alaykum ورحمة الله وبركاته